0: Why squirrels? Well, why not? Well, why why not? The day for squirrels is finally upon us. I even love the banner. How beautiful. Then my middle initial is S. It doesn't get better, doesn't get better than that, right? Um, you know, I I have at my last church, one of the people there nicknamed me Pastor Squirrel, and she said, "Is that okay?" I said, "I love it." It's a lot easier than saying ADD, you know. <laughs> Squirrels have this reputation for being, and by the way, doesn't the air conditioner feel great in here today? Distracted. distractible. But you know the cool thing about squirrels is we're not boring like some of you, should I say engineers or is that rude? Some of you have the ability to focus on one thing, how cool is that? I would never drive over a bridge I built. I'd never live in a house I built. But some of you do those kind of detailed things, and we thank God for you. But I have a lot more fun than you. I know where all the nuts are in the yard. And yes, that was a metaphor. So uh, about a year ago, or it seems like, um, over in, we had an election last year in Pittsburgh. Did y'all have an election over here as well? Yeah, and it was kind of weird too. in the last year we had this pandemic thing. Was that did that happen over here as well? And then we had people storm the Capitol and, and disgrace our whole nation before the world. And we've had people. We've been reminded, in case after case, that racially we're not where we need to be. It's been a hard, horrible year. Can I get an oh me, oh me? Have you been distracted? (laughs) I've been watching us and listening to us as a Christian community, and we've been distracted, right? People know where we stand on this pandemic thing, but they know how we stood about that election thing and science or fear or faith, whoa. And then we had to pick sides about was it upset people because they're oppressed or are they just rioters? And, and everyone's got to choose sides and everybody's got to throw stuff at each other. And in a time where you think that believers would be kind of sitting that out or, or going in as peacemakers, it seems like believers have chosen sides just as much as anyone. And we have been distracted. Uh, last year, a uh, theme verse for the uh, district was that since we're his, we should live like it. And as I looked into the, coming into this year, I thought, what would be a good theme for us? And, and I thought about the, just the fact that how distracted we were, divided we were as believers. Forget the nation. The nation, it makes sense to us. When, when the unbelievers act like unbelievers, can we please give up being surprised? Can we just please abandon the thought that we're shocked when unbelievers act like unbelievers? They're, they're who they're being. And then we understand wow. Look at these reminders of how they need Jesus. And they need people on task with the gospel of Jesus. And this is where we come in. Can I get an amen? This is where we come in. And then I grieved as I heard hearts of pastors saying, I'm so tired. My people are fighting over everything. I'm not even sure I'll like them anymore. I'm hearing that from pastors, not just, I'm talking about around the country. I heard that from another district superintendent the other day saying to me, i got a pastor who says, when my people come back, well, I like them. I've seen what they've said. I've seen the bricks that they've thrown. And I've seen pastors throwing bricks as well. And we have been not playfully cute and cuddly distracted, but we've been tempted to be drawn off mission. And so this year as I looked ahead and prayed about it, just a simple theme for our district comes from Colossians where Paul says, We proclaim him. If you came hoping for big stuff today, well, you didn't know me to begin with. (laughs) So if we need to lower the expectations, that's my job. I just keep lowering the expectations and maybe surprise you because it's pretty basic here today, people. And it's not because I think you've been horribly off mission. It's because all of us at all times, regardless of the last, we are always tempted to get off focus on Jesus Yes? Didn't Paul write the Corinthians? He says, be careful that you're drawn away from the simplicity of devotion to Jesus. So Paul says to the church in Colossae, he says, talking about his own ministry and exhorting them to the same, he says, we proclaim him. We warn every man and we teach every man with all wisdom so that we can present every man mature in Christ. Paul says, my mission, my calling is to, in fact, to present Christ as fully as I can to people, warning them to get right with God, helping them to, get, to grow up in Christ so they can become mature, so at the end of my life I can take these people that I've sought by God's grace to minister to and offer them back and say, Lord Jesus, here's an offering to you of the people you have called me to minister to. It really is that simple. We proclaim him. We present him to others, so we can present others to him. So Paul is um, in jail again. Sounds like one of our uncle, one of my uncles, right? <laughs> oh, this is, this is not online. That was a hypothetical. Um, <laughs> okay, the knowing laugh doesn't help, woman. Thank you, Robin. Paul's in jail again. He's in house arrest. It's a little, let's call it uh, quarantine. So he's got some freedoms, and, and and this guy comes and looks for him and says. Hey, Paul, I'm from Colossae. I think we've met before. You know, when you were in Ephesus, you did that three years of anchored ministry there. And, and you taught every day. I'm giving you a paraphrase of Acts, uh, Acts and Colossians here in the historical context. So pardon me in the narrative. Look, you got Ronnie as an artistic pastor. You can get me a little slack here, okay? It's front row. What are you doing right there, pal? So if Paul's there. And this guy comes and says, man... You had those three years in Ephesus, and you did a great job teaching, and you sent forth disciples, and that church in Colossae was planted. You'd never even been there, but your imprint is there, and, and, and we are all about him. But you know what, Paul? I, I've come to ask you, could you, I know you can't come, but could you write us a letter? And there's some stuff that needs to be addressed by you. And, and so Paul writes the letter to the church at Colossae there, and he is making right. Some of these things that are being confused there and, and the confusion that's going on. And so he writes them about in these, and they're facing days of division, of theological distraction and distortion. The image of Christ is being fuzzy about who they are. They got certain folks who are saying, well, we really need to celebrate this Jewish holiday. Oh, now this festival, it's a must. We've always done that or we used to do that. And so Epaphras says, man, could you help us sort through some of the stuff that we're getting distracted by so we can stay focused on Christ and the message there? And so Paul writes in this letter, and early on we have this Christological section this about he's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. He made it all. It came through him. It's for him. It's all about him. He holds it all together. And Paul is, so obviously, they're losing some of who Christ is because Paul wants to emphasize to them Jesus. And give them some really meaty theology and say, don't forget the greatness, the uniqueness of this son of God. And then Paul says, in fact, that's kind of what I'm about. That's why I'm willing to suffer. That's why I'm in jail. That's why I'm willing to go through all these difficult times. It's because of of who he is and his greatness. And then the message that he has given me to pass on to other people, I am willing to suffer in that regard so other people can come to know him and love him as well. Because Paul says, if you could listen along, listen as I read the passage here again. We proclaim him warning, and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. I labor for this, striving with his strength that powerfully works within me. Substance Church, I want to remind us together as I hear me this morning and ask God to use his word for all of us to hear him afresh, that we are to be all about him, Now, I grew up in the South where amening was kind of a thing. We're going to change it just a little bit here, refer to artistic license, blame it on Ronnie. (laughs) I'm going to ask you a question I want you to answer. It's kind of a rhetorical question. The question is this, is is a statement with a question. The statement is, we proclaim Christ, and then I'm going to say, right? Yes. Almost. The answer is, right. Okay, here we go. I'm going to, you got this, ready? we proclaim Christ, right? You guys are on it. You guys are on it because we, we proclaim Christ, right? Right. And so if we're going to proclaim Christ, we need to be, first of all, all about Christ. He needs to be kind of our stuck obsession. Our lives need to be hidden in God, in Christ in God. He is to increase. We are to decrease. Jesus is to become more and more, and we are to live for him at all times. We're to be about him. If you hang around me, if you follow me on social media, you're going to find out that I'm, I'm a little bit goofy, a little bit squirrely for real. I like baseball. Uh, you, you're going to find out I grew up in Georgia, and Robin and I are from Georgia. We've got five kids, and, uh, you know, and just you're going to find out uh, we, like, we like visiting cemeteries. We stopped at one on the way out here. We were a little late getting to their house yesterday. Really neat little cemetery. We stopped and had lunch there. But I'm hoping that if you track with me, you'll say, yeah, all that stuff's kind of true. Some of it's weird. That's okay. Anything, nothing really to pray about too bad. But in the middle of that, he's also loved Jesus. Not perfectly, not with great precision like I ought to at times, but Yeah. You stick around him long enough, you're going to say, I think he really loves, God has done a work in his life, and by grace, he's stuck on Jesus. And, and hopefully then, because of that, out of the abundance of my heart, my mouth, my thumbs will tweet, right? My mouth will speak. My camera will encapsulate. Because procl- we proclaim Christ, right? Right. right. Hang with me. I'm getting weaker there. We're not going to tolerate that. We're not going to tolerate that, right? Right. Yeah. If we're going to proclaim Christ and present him to people so we can present them, first of all, it just means simply being all about him. Paul says, I'm willing to suffer for him. And I present him, God's sovereign son, the exact image, the firstborn over all creation, him, God's made known secret. Paul says, there was a mystery. We didn't even know about all of this. We knew God was going to give us a Messiah, but then it turned out way beyond what we'd ever imagined. And God made known stuff we didn't know was even going to be made known. But now we know this mystery, and it's Christ. And Christ in us. And Christ is our hope of glory. You've got, if you know Christ as your Savior, if you have called upon the living God, whose Son died in your place for our sins, buried raised, seen by hundreds, ascended, seated beside God, waiting someday to come back to judge the living and the dead, to rightfully bring judgment to those who haven't called upon him or salvation to all who have. If you've called upon the Lord Jesus Christ, you're saved. You're his. He has, as Paul says, he's transferred you from the domain of darkness and he's delivered you and transferred you from the, into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. And so since we are all about knowing him as much as we can so we can present him the best that we can to help people grow, to give them back to Jesus, we need to be, first of all, all about him. If people know more about how you voted than they know about how you've walked with Jesus, can I just call you to repent? Can I? If people know what your posture has been on a thousand different things in the last year, but they don't know your posture is clearly about you're more obsessed with Jesus, without apology, I call you to repent. To repent. These are important things. All these other things are important things. But they fade into nothingness apart from Christ. Squirrels are fun until you become one and you forget that you are to be all about Jesus because, because we proclaim Christ, right? Right. It's that obvious. We proclaim Christ. So we're all about him and we proclaim him. We proclaim him with wisdom. Paul says, I, we proclaim him. We warn everybody. We teach everybody with all wisdom. Warning them. At some point, it is in gracious language saying to someone, there is a God. He loves you. And if you don't turn to him, he will judge you. You need to get right. But that's boiled down language for us. But at some point when we're sharing Jesus with someone, we let them know there is a God. He created you. He obviously loves you. He is grieved over your sin. You are distant from him. But he is offering a way back. And that only way is Jesus. And we need to all repent from the, and turn from our idolatry to the living God. So Paul says, we proclaim him and we warn everybody. And then some some turn to Jesus. God works. They turn and they are, like I said, Paul said, they are rescued and transferred. They go from the kingdom of darkness. We were in the parking lot. Yes, thank you. There. And there's that cute little bridge, right? That great little bridge. Some of you parents with kids have probably had battles on that bridge with your children. I get that. I could see climbing over the railing. No, children don't get ideas, okay? But there's only one, I guess there's multiple ways to get in here, but that seems to be the way. And Jesus is the only bridge to God. And because of that, we proclaim him, right? We're all about him and we proclaim him and we then teach people. It's neat neat to hear kids, neat to hear the sand of kids. We had five kids. God gives you a kid. He wants you to, you know, you don't go through the birthing process, go to the hospital, have the experience, the labor experience that you can brag about for the rest of your life. We get it. I love watching older women talking to a pregnant woman. And they, what do you do? You know what you do. You share and compare how long and how worse your labor was. Tell me, you've not been a part of this? You all have been. A p- I've watched it for years, and this young woman's going. I should have adopted or something? <laughs> <laughs> Squirrels. That is, yeah. You don't go through all of that to say it's been real and leave them at the hospital. You, with selective kids later, you go, why? <laughs> but. But enough about my childhood. God doesn't want us to see people come to Jesus and not then help them grow up. As silly as it would be to see someone come through all the birth process by God's grace and have them do the new cry of new birth, we know at that point that cry means responsibility on our part to help them grow up. And, and the way we help them grow up is we proclaim Christ, Right? We're all about that, right? So they may know which teams you like. They may know which way you did or did not vote. They may know how you fell on the spectrum of these kind of things. But do they know that your life is rooted in Jesus? And that's how you help them grow up. How do you help, some, how do you help someone do disciple making? Walk. Walk with them and let them know that you are walking with them with Jesus. It's just that simple hey, let's grow together in Jesus. It can get complicated after that, and there can be books and programs, and thank God for those kind of things, but at the end of the day, you live out, you proclaim Christ to them, and you help them, not only by God's grace, tell them to get right, but you help them to grow up, and you do so with wisdom, Paul says. We we warn every man. We teach every man with all wisdom. Boy, this is, this. I I wish we could be back. Robin, what's on our schedule for June 27th? I think we're going to be in New York. Could you tell Kevin Martin we can't make it? That we've had a. Did you, you didn't ever do that? Find out a picnic and cancel. Don't answer that. He's a good superintendent. Yeah. See, I think I distracted myself and it happens. I'm there. I'm there. You don't live in a community where you want to do Jewish evangelism and offer a pork chop meal, yeah. right? I know they say it's silly. You, you don't live in a Muslim community and offer the pork chop meal leftovers from the Jewish meal, pork chop meal that didn't work out. Yeah. <laughs> you say, no, no, that's, that's dumb. We, 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 we want to be, have our smarts about how we proclaim Christ. It might be as simple as Scott said. Hey, there's some folks who maybe don't want to come through those doors, but they might meet you in the park. Yeah. They might feel more comfortable doing this really cool thing, June 27th. and I've, They better have food for us. I'm going to be really bitter. <laughs> what are the ways with wisdom you can proclaim Christ? We warn everybody with wisdom. We teach everybody with wisdom. If you spout out... Just stuff you get from the latest podcast. If, you, if, you're, if people know which political station you're listening to and you sound a whole lot like this contribution or this commentator and you're a little clone of that guy or that guy on whatever spectrum, it's not helping people grow up in Jesus. You want to do so with wisdom. What is the stuff that you need to lay aside so you can make Jesus central? What's the stuff? Do you know your community? It's really cool. We have two churches in Ashland. They're a little different. All right, this one nine miles from here, up in Bailey's Lakes. You know, we were there one Sunday and standing in the parking lot and we heard clunk, 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 clunk. And it was, you know, the Amish horse and buggy going by. And I know you've got them closer here, but I don't know that they come this part into town as often. So you know your community. We came in last night. We had... Uh, supper at ice cream at olivesburg groceries yeah. general store how cool is that awesome. and the number of amish homes we rode, beside, rode on whatever that highway is 92 or something what was it 96 and it's interesting to see the amish homes and the english homes really side by side in a way i've not seen that frequently Do you know your community so you can, with wisdom, proclaim Christ? Because we proclaim Christ, right? Right. We're, We're all about Him, and we want to proclaim Him, and we want to do so with wisdom, and we want to be purposeful. Why are we proclaiming Christ? So we can present mature and maturing believers to Christ. We're not just getting Bible notches. We're not just saying how many souls we can get saved. We're not just so we can report a bunch of numbers. Nothing wrong with those kind of things. But we want to see people birthed into the kingdom of God, and we want to see them grow up in such a way that we can say, Lord, by your grace, I can now present mature disciples to you. Hey, did you know that everybody in here who knows Jesus has a responsibility to somebody else in here who knows Jesus yes. to help them grow up in Christ. Every one of you who know Jesus have a responsibility to someone else in here to help them grow up in Christ. There's no optional members of the body, right? Nope. You know, which finger do we want to start chopping off because they're not necessary? He said, that's absurd. It is. And it's just as absurd to think that you're an optional, non-necessary piece. And so part of what your responsibility is, according to your giftedness and the gifts, talents, resources, responsibilities that God has given you is to use your unique set that God's made you to help others grow up in Jesus. Mark Devers said in his book Discipling, he says, Discipling, and he wrote it from a church context, and I love that. He said, Discipling is doing other good people, doing others spiritually good in Jesus so they become more like him. That's pretty basic, isn't it? So that mom has the baby, and you say, I bet I could take her a meal, and I could mother her a little bit. That single mom's, that struggling student's car breaks down. And you go, I can't lead a Bible study, but I can fix that thing. And you show up and you show the love of Jesus. Most of you are servers as opposed to upfront platform teacher kind of people. Ain't nothing wrong, God didn't make a mistake with that. and He didn't make second class citizens. There's a few people maybe gifted to do the upfront speaking sort of thing to help equip saints to do the work of the ministry. And whatever God has gifted you and resourced you with, that thing that you've got extra of, it might be money, it might be time, it might be talent, it might be skill. Whatever it is, you go, oh, I don't have that, I don't have that. Okay, good. What, what, do, you, what do you have? Well, there's no coincidence. God says, therefore, take that and use it to bless and grow other people so you can proclaim Christ and warn people and help them grow up So you can be part of presenting Christ in his fullness, however he's gifted you, to other people, so you're a part as the body of them presenting them to Christ. And so it's a purposeful sort of thing. If you've ever been involved in ministry, at some point it's embarrassing to admit that you can get so caught up in it that you kind of forget the why. Yeah? And that sounds ridiculous, right? How could a a minister, a pastor... Forget why they're doing this. Well, it is ridiculous, but it happens. And if it happens on this end, it happens on every end. And so we do this being reminded today that the reason you're involved helping do pour overs or help kids or greet people or, or being part of a small group, a community group, or helping set up a, for a Sunday, this represents a lot of work. And the reason you do this is not just because you did it last year and they couldn't find anybody else and I guess I ought to if it wants to be done. No, it's because you're going, wow, this is all part of proclaiming Christ because I'm all about him. So let this be a gracious reminder if you're feeling stuck in what you've been doing and you forgot why. It happens, man. (laughs) But we're doing it because we want to be purposeful to present mature disciples to him. Paul wrote to Romans... We're proclaiming the gospel of God so the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God. So you all have a responsibility to help each other grow up in Jesus. And you do it based on who God has made you. Not based on how God's made them. Oh, I can't do that. Look what they, oh, wow. I wish I, hey, thank God for them. Now grab the mirror and say who we got here okay needs work needs help but god still is calling me in the game god says get in the game he says, i'm tired okay go to the bench but don't drift up into the stands someone explain this to ronnie later okay <laughs> god says okay i get it you're you're tired go to the bench let the defense in you've been playing offense Sit on the bench, get some water, get some air, eat some protein, rest up. But stay, but remember what's going on out there, and you're part of that, and at least cheer. And then when it's time, you get back on the field. If you you need to get to the sidelines for a little bit, get to the sidelines. No shame in that. Jesus took time off. Thank God, Ronnie. Thank you for letting Ronnie and Melissa get away. You know, I've been pushing our pastors and churches hard. Take a break. Can I come help? Take, get out of town. Hey, churches, be, be nice. You guys are tired. If you found though, you're not even on the sidelines, but you've drifted. Some some believers somehow not only just in the they're not even in the stands anymore. They're they're meddling around the parking lot. Those are the ones that are keying cars, and fighting. Right. Because they forgot there's a game going on. They're part of it, and they're supposed to be engaged and not just going, wow, how cool, they do a good job. It's like, no, it's it put me in coach. I'm ready to play, right? Oh, uh, okay, team. <laughs> put me in coach. I'm ready to play, right? right. I felt like I should slap somebody on the bottom and say go get them or something, but I've been told that was inappropriate. <laughs> At least the last two churches. <laughs> We proclaim Christ. We are all about Him. We want to proclaim Him with wisdom. We're purposeful and we persevere in the mission. Verse 29, and Paul says, I labor for this. I strive according to His strength that works powerfully in me. I love the flow of this. I love all three aspects of this. He says, I am toiling in a copious, hard working sort of way, doing my part over here, man. But I'm agonizing like a wrestler on the match there because I know it's because of the strength that he's given me to do this. And it's his power that's working in me mightily. Did you catch all three of those? Paul doesn't just say, man, I'm working my tail off over here. And he doesn't just say, I'm waiting passively for his power to work within me. He says, I'm toiling. I'm doing this arduous labor committed to proclaiming Christ so I can present mature disciples to him. And I'm agonizing here like an athlete down, grappling on the mat, but I'm doing that according to his strength. And it's his strength that powerfully works in me. It, to me, it's that hint of the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man. If you, if you pray every morning, Lord, I'll do what you want me to do, let me know, Lord. Okay, nothing? Okay, I gave you your chance. And if you're kind of that passive thing of waiting that he's going to always give you these mystical instructions before you get up, and he kind of, you know, puppets you along through the day. Now, the other side of that is, you know, wake up, got this, God, off we go, right? No, no, it's both those things. I am, I'm willing to work hard at this because this is what I'm all about. This is what we're all about. We're unified under the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we want to be willing to do the tough work of that. And we do it because he's working in us and it's his grace that makes us possible. And so you persevere in the mission. You get out of the parking lot. You walk back through the stands. You call some other folks. Say, come on, come on. We belong down the sidelines. Let's go back in there. Coach, tells to play again. We got fuzzy on this thing. He says, well, we really want to be about just proclaiming Christ. And you go, got it, I'm in. Because we proclaim Christ, right? And we present him to others so we, so we can present others to him. So we're all about him. We proclaim him with wisdom. We're very purposeful in this. We want to present mature disciples, and we persevere in this. So application questions. Do you know him? I don't want to start with the assumption. If you've never called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the crucified, risen, seated, ruling, sovereign, coming again, judge of all, If you've never called upon him and trusting in him alone for salvation, why not today? And if not today, are you hardening your heart even more? Call upon him, know him. I grew up in Atlanta. I like Hank Aaron. I enjoyed the big red machine back in the 70s. Who couldn't? Who didn't just appreciate that phenomenal team you had? Our team was called Hank Aaron, we stunk forever. This is where I don't mention the Browns, right? No, this is where you tell me the Browns killed us last year in Pittsburgh. Okay, stop it, Kerry. Okay, I like Hank Aaron. I spent three hours with him one time, me and 45,000 other people at the Atlanta stadium. (laughs) It's a bummer. I have his autograph, I guess someone bought it or something. Now he's with the Lord. Um, Is your relationship with Jesus kind of like my relationship with Hank Aaron? Fan, like him, like no other, but there's no no rooted relationship with him? Do you know him? Okay, yeah, not like I ought to. Yeah, me neither. But it starts with calling upon him, trusting him and him alone, and then growing in your knowledge of him. You want a simple growth path? Well, first, use all the resources this church provides. This church regularly provides ongoingly rich resources rooted in Scripture for you. I'm very impressed with how you guys do that for your body. Keep that up, you know? Just the materials, the resources, you just finished James, the the books, take the notes in, fantastic. If you need another one, just study the book of Colossians. Get paper writing utensil of your preference, get your Bible. Say, who's Jesus? What's he done? And What's he want me to do? And What's that meant for me? Just answer those basic questions. Just get to know him better. Because you want to know him as best you can so you can present him the best you can so people can then grow. The more they know, the more they can grow in Jesus. And then we can say, Lord, by your grace, Here's a bigger chunk of Ashland and the surrounding community that you've called us to be proclaiming, and we did. Do you live to make him known? If we were to follow you around, would we get the idea that you are someone like me, stumbling, bumbling forward with Jesus, trying to live for him? And does the truth of his word and spirit come out of your mouth so what flows most frequently from you politics stuff interests me i love presidential history interests me i had an uncle that was a state representative he ran for lieutenant governor i washington dc is one of the coolest cities to go visit for the historical kind of stuff i love that kind of stuff but if people if talking about that stuff keeps someone from hearing about jesus from me then I don't want to talk about that kind of stuff. Is it important that people need to be informed? Absolutely, of course. But on the relative scale, pandemic, politics, playthings, what is it that just comes out of you most? Are you, are you talking about those things with wisdom and are you talking about them so much that you never get around to talking about Jesus? If he's not coming out of you, go back to your social media feed. What's it eat up with? Is it balanced? Are you in the closet? Do you need to out yourself about Jesus? You don't have to be in people's face. You do it with wisdom. Listen to these last, some of these last verses here in the book of Colossians. Paul, the great go- apostle, is asking people to pray for him, that he would know how to share the gospel. And then he says in Colossians 4, verses 5 and 6, act wisely towards outsiders. Making the most of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should respond to each person. You know what I hear hints of there? Is that we proclaim Christ, right? I mean we we proclaim Christ, right? Let's pray. Lord, it can be fun to watch squirrels and their distractedness, but we ask your forgiveness when you've looked down on us and seen ours. We want to be refocused. We want to set our minds on things above. Forgive us for being taken away from the simplicity of devotion to Jesus. And Lord, as restrictions lift and life kind of gets back to whatever we would describe it, may the new openings that occur in our society and culture be reminders to being reopened in our hearts to proclaiming, telling people about Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for you being the substance of what this church is about. May they always be so evidently, clearly committed to you, the gospel. And Lord, protect them in this. Take just a moment. If the Lord needs to call you to some repentance for Ungodly squirreliness in your heart maybe right now is the time to do that Lord I pray the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts have been acceptable to you in this time that you would use this offering of mine to your glory and the good of those who need you